0: the truth about money. greetings greetings everybody welcome to another episode we are on episode number three <laughs> can you believe it number three um our last episode we were talking about the truth about vehicle financing right but unfortunately because of time we didn't finish so today's episode is just basically continuation of that episode. So if you, episode number two, I suggest that you go back and listen to episode two, the truth about vehicle financing, and then continue to this episode. Um, there's something interesting that I read just yesterday about um, car financing, right? And um, it's, so it's an article online. So I would like Pratamsa to to just tell us a little bit more about that, the, the article, Pratam Zafede?
1: Yes, I'm good, my brother, yes, you're on episode three already.
0: Three already. (laughs) (laughs) So that article, can you please just tell us more about it and, um, like, just explain it to us so that we can understand.
1: All right. So basically, um, the competition commission, which is a body of people who promote, like, fair competition in the motoring industry, um, you know, such as manufacturers, between repairers, insurance and financing. So what they've done is that they've released or they've amended certain laws or rules um, within the motoring industry, where as from the 1st of February, I mean, 1st of July, um, there's what we call bundling. So bundling uh, happens when you go purchase a car. Um, in the purchase price, they actually include, you know, the the maintenance plan and the service plan and warranties. You know, all these value-added products they add it into that purchase price without disclosing it to to the purchaser. So what they've done now is that they've they've told uh, manufacturers or dealerships to say that listen, um, you guys need to disclose first of all, you know, how much. Um, your customers actually paying for these services, um, whether it's maintenance or warranty or any other value added products, which is um, added onto that. And second of all, you need to basically give the customer a choice, whether they want to have that um, value added product as part of the purchase or not. So now as from the first, there'll be some unbundling happening. And then another thing is the transfer of maintenance and service plans. So, if I get into an accident while well, I was basically paying for a, a service plan, right? So now that service plan will now be transferred into the new vehicle or replacement vehicle that I'll be getting. Or if I don't want to continue with that, I can simply cancel it and uh, receive a refund you know, for the, the remainder of the period that was left for me to, to pay off that service plan. Um, because now what has been happening is that some service uh, providers have said that, okay, Junior, uh, you had this car for five years and you crashed it in the third year, so you need to keep on paying for the remaining three years. You know They they see it as a contract on their side. So the com- competition commission has said, no, um, Junior cannot pay for something that he is not using. And then another thing as well is that... Um, independent repairers, we take our cars when they're out of, let's uh, say, warranty or service plan, uh, they now have the rights to, to go to dealerships or manufacturers and get the original parts. So there's certain dealerships or manufacturers um, which have been giving, you know, repairers, you know, a runaround in terms of getting, you know, new parts for them to, to service the car because obviously they want Utrina to bring in these BMW at the dealership as opposed to servicing it out there. And then another change as well, as from the 1st of July, if I went into a dealership and I inquired about a, let's say, a BMW M3, um, and in the dealership, they sell various cars and they're linked to other dealerships as well. So my profile cannot be shared with other dealerships until you know I give them a go-ahead. <clears throat> so I can basically um you know, file a claim against them or you know, a disgruntlement against them if, if they do pursue that. So my information will basically stay and end with that transaction that I made with the with the BMW M3. Hmm.
0: So let's say I'm driving a Mazda and it has a service plan mm-hmm. and then I mm-hmm. and then um I get into an accident for you know so, and then now I want to go buy a Toyota. Can I transfer service plans from one brand to another?
1: Um, I don't think you can, because remember, if you've got that service plan with, with a Mazda, they have obviously calculated beforehand how much um, certain parts will cost, how much, you know, your car, in terms of its value and so forth, Um what needs to be changed at what um so um, at what service interval? So when it comes to you choosing a different uh, brand now, um it it won't basically correlate with the calculations that they did. So I think you if you had taken out a Mazda service plan, you obviously have to get another master um, card to replace the one that has been written off.
0: That's that's interesting. Let's get into, let's just continue from where we left off the last week, right? So obviously we spoke about the interest rate, payment, repo rate and all that stuff, right? Just a follow-up question. What is the legal highest rate on a car loan?
1: Um, on a car is basically 27.5%. So that's excluding like your service and initiation fee. So the highest uh, percentage or interest rate that your bank or finance institution can charge you is twenty-seven point five percent.
0: Sweet. So they they can't charge you anything more than that.
1: Yeah, no. I think with dealerships, obviously they can't. But when it comes to your private uh, sellers, you know, it's a, it's a different ball game um, when it comes to them because obviously they they're able to inflate or take down prices as it may be. So they don't necessarily need to sell a car at market value. It's upon an individual's choice and preference if they want to actually increase the price by 200%. So, yeah, I think this now comes to, you know, your finance institutions.
0: Mm. But I guess it's so much better to just get a car from a dealership because you have all these laws that protect you as a buyer as well, you know? 100%. So let's talk about insurance. And I feel like this is the one thing that most people ignore the most, you know? And it's very important because if you go to a dealership and want to buy a car, the car, you won't drive out of that dealership without insurance.
1: 100%.
0: Please explain the difference between low premium versus low access. And
1: access is basically a lump sum that you pay when you get into an accident or your vehicle gets damaged. Whether you were right, in that in that accident or you were wrong um insurance basic companies want you to still pay you that um, that access so there's two types of access so there's compulsory and there's voluntary access so compulsory okay. access is basically what you what the insurance company wants you to pay so there you can't negotiate with that it's a stipulated amount and obviously if you're a young driver inexperienced you can't um you, you basically pay a high, high access um, as opposed to someone who's 40 years old and who's had like 20 years driving experience. So on top of that, you get voluntary. So voluntary is included um, in the voluntary access includes the compulsory um, access. So with the voluntary one, that's the one that you now choose to say that, all right, I want my um, access to be low um, so that I can you know pay a, a proper premium. So basically these things, they correlate in such a way that if you have a high access, you pay low premiums. If you have a low premium, you pay a high access. And what a lot of people is that they buy nice vehicles, um, but they're actually not um, looking into you know, the whole picture of incorporating you know, the insurance into that. They're just looking into you know, the installment that they're gonna pay at the end of the month. And now what most people do is that they now get that insurance Uh, for that certain amount and they hope and pray that they won't get into an accident but now when they get into an accident um you know the the repairers want that 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 uh, lump sum in terms of the and sometimes it's high and most of the time people don't have you know that lump sum to pay to repair the car and certain cars that's why you see them driving around with missing fenders or bumpers are still you know not replaced because that was not taken into consideration so People should always do their research before, you know, um, going into buying a
0: car. And you know it's 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 amazing because people literally lose cars because of that, because now you have a car that has been bumped and the before they can work on it, they need this lump sum of money. And you obviously you don't yeah. have that money and Napa, yeah. it, it's and they are they are charging you for storage and, and things like that, you know? Yeah, that's true.
1: So that's why that's why a lot of people aren't doing their research and, you know, they just want the easy way out. So it's important to always look at your affordability. Um, in the first episode, we covered, you know, you know, budgeting and knowing your financial standings. So you need to be honest with yourself. If you can't afford that C63, don't buy the C63 yet. Just wait a bit. Tell your financial standings are fine. Yes, you can afford to pay the installment. But then, as you said, there's the insurance part of it. And with insurance comes the access.
0: Can you please just explain depreciated value of the car recorded by the insurance?
1: All right. So basically depreciating value of a car is, is it's, it's based on the... It's affected basically by the wear and tear of a car, how you drive your car, you know, the mileage, and also the economic conditions. So an interesting fact is that if I go into BMW now, and you know, buy that M3 for a million rand, brand new. As soon as I leave the dealership, that car can lose up to 15% of its value yeah. before I get to the next robots. So <laughs> the, the car basically depreciates in in that way. So what insurance companies do is that on their on their systems, they've got a a log where they know that after a year. Um, the car has depreciated in value by such an amount. And if, let's say, I get into an accident, now they work out the market value. So basically, the depreciation value is the difference between the purchase price and the market value of a certain car. So I might buy that uh, M3 for a million rand in 2021. Two years later, I get into an accident, but now my M3 is worth 600,000. So that four hundred thousand difference or deficit is what we call depreciation
0: value. Hmm. Let's say now this car is worth six hundred thousand. would I still be yeah. paying the same premium hmm. on insurance?
1: Ideally, you know, ideally, when you think about it theoretically, you should be basically your insurance amount should actually be going down every single every single year because your car depreciates in value every single year. But that's not what happens in practice. So, what happens is that people, what they do is that because they know that my car is not the same as, is not the same value as it was when I purchased it, um, people every single year, they get, you know, quotes to find out how much they can pay uh, for the new value of the car. So, that's the only way. But if I'm going to be sticking to, let's say, this ABC insurance, um, and I'm paying, let's say, 8,000 Rand every single month, on insurance, on my M3. Um, it'll actually rise with inflation on a yearly basis if I don't opt into, you know, getting a secondary quote on,
0: on my car. Can you save a lot on that?
1: Yeah, you can actually save a lot just by, you know, on a yearly basis, phoning uh, the, the other insurance companies and finding out how much they can offer you in terms of the, you know, of the, of the, premium or, yeah, how much they can save you in terms of the premium.
0: So basically, we've spoken about interest rates, we've spoken about balloon payments, we've spoken about repo rates, we've spoken about insurance. So is it safe to say that we can close this chapter and move on?
1: Um. So the other question that, you know, was raised is that the leasing of a car versus the buying of a car.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
1: Yeah, so I think with that, um, so obviously... Looking into what happened, you know what's happening now in terms of this pandemic, a lot of people are getting their cars repossessed, and because of let's say their business not doing well, or you know they've lost their job, or they've had to support you know additional family members who've, who've been affected by you know this uh, pandemic, so so people now have actually are actually opting into leasing cars. So leasing a car is basically like renting. So you don't necessarily own the car the the responsibility of the car is held with the the, the dealership, so I go into BMW, I lease uh, that entry, and I if anything happens in terms of my business or my job, um, it doesn't affect you know my credit score or my financial standings. I can just basically simply you know take the car back um, to them uh, without any hassles. As opposed to if I then you know own the car and I can't. Card- afford to pay it then you know it's a different ball game where the um, sheriffs come and they repossess the car and but i still have to pay an a certain amount after the car has been auctioned off so <laughs> there's some advantages you know in terms of leasing a car so when you're leasing a car um you basically can drive a new car every every single two years two four years according to you know your your preference and the contract that you get into Another thing as well is that you know you at the end of the term, you can simply take the car back or you can choose to purchase the car at a very low amount since you've been basically you know paying for the car every single month. So now the disadvantages about leasing is that you when you lease a car, they actually stipulate how many kilometers you can drive in a certain month. So you can't exceed those kilometers. And if you do, they actually impose penalties. Um, You can't, if you've you've entered into, let's say, a two-year contract, um, for you to cancel, let's say, that contract within a year, um, then it becomes a bit of a hassle, you know. So there are some advantages and disadvantages of leasing, but a lot of people now are going into the leasing route because, you know, they don't, they don't, uncertain of the future, but also it makes more financial sense for them because leasing a car is, is a bit more reasonable than actually paying that installment. We spoke about balloon payments last week. So when you lease a car, obviously you don't have to pay for, you know, that balloon payment as well.
0: So Pratamza, we've come to the end of our show, episode three, it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you, thank you. Uh, guys, please please go on Instagram, follow us on Instagram, uncensored underscore the truth about money. So you can literally ask whatever that you need to know. If we haven't, if you feel like we haven't covered a certain topic, if you feel like we haven't answered your, most of your questions, please go onto Instagram, send us a message, ask us whatever, whatever it is that you would like to know. So from us, thank you so much. Thank you for listening.